All right, let's talk about loneliness. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> let's talk about loneliness. Listen, I want to. Sh- this is the, this is going to be our jumping off verse um, for this entire series. We sort of kicked it off last week. Um, if you were with us last week, we talked about humanity, right? As we walk through the book of Genesis. You know, one of the things that should stick out to you, hopefully sticks out to you as you read through scripture, that's easy to just not get a picture in your mind's eye is that the Bible is full of human beings, right? I mean, we, we know from what we have read and what we have studied, there is a plan that God is at work carrying out. We know from scripture that that plan involves the destruction of the devil Right? We know that Jesus was tasked with that destruction from way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15. And we know that scripture tells the story of that promise being kept. We know that Jesus kept that promise and through the power of God destroyed the work of the devil by being raised from the dead. Somebody say amen. Our promise now is secure in him. We now... You and I, those of you online, those of you in here that know Jesus, we are living in that gap of the already but not yet. The Bible says that in the heavenly places, right, every need we have is met, right? The problem is you and I aren't living in heavenly places. We're living in Ormond Beach, Florida, right? And there's a distinction between those two. So how do we have all of that, right? How do we have all of that and yet live here in the world that we live in because we live in the already, but not yet. It's ours. It's yours through faith in Jesus Christ. That's been secured through Jesus. That's not of yourself. That's a gift of God so that no person can boast. Somebody say amen. Right? That's, that's ours. In the meantime, we have to live here with human beings. We have to live with each other. Right? And I don't know what your story's like at a human level, but mine has been complicated. Can anybody relate? Right? It's complicated. And it's not like it's getting less complicated. Right? It's not like it's slowing down, making more sense. As we progress through time, it seems to me that humanity is getting more confusing and less simple. It's just very difficult. And one of the encouraging parts about scripture that should be for anybody that reads it is that God does amazing with your humanity and with ours. We don't do so good with it. Some of you are absolutely destroyed, right? Burdened, scarred emotionally, mentally, physically. Some of you because of what you have endured at the hands of other human beings and your humanity has been so broken and so marred. It's hard for you to see anything but that. And to act as if that's not a real thing that happens to real people who go to real churches is a shame to anybody who would want to teach God's word. Because whether it's online or in this room, there are plenty who have been really hurt and damaged by their experience in humanity. There's always people whose lives are better, who they seem untouched. But the large majority of people have never gone through life unscathed. 
There are struggles and struggles upon struggles at the human level. And it's our humanity that makes me want to talk about these human emotions that we deal with as we try to live in this already but not yet thing. Because I don't know about you, it can be very difficult. So this is the verse we're going to use each week as our jumping off point. We read it last week. We're going to read it every week. So I'm going to ask you to stand in here as we read these two verses from Hebrews chapter 2. Feel free to stand if you're watching online, depending on where you're at. But these are the two jumping off verses I want us to use every week as we study this process of our humanity. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Do you have those? Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have those, but you're getting them. Mike's getting them. There you go. I wrote it at the top and I forgot to put it in there. Here you go. It said this, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that Jesus might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Without knowing us, without becoming like one of us, he could not have been merciful. He could not have been faithful and he could have been no service to God. Do you see how important it was for Jesus? to experience and know our humanity. Somebody say yes, right? And it says, and also that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because Jesus himself suffered when he was being tempted, when he was being put through the fire, right? He is able to help those who are also going through the fire. Does that relate to anybody? You can be seated. I don't know about you, but... I am most grateful for the knowledge of scripture that Jesus understands my humanity because I've lived 59 years on planet earth and I can probably count on one hand the number of people that understand my humanity, right? I mean, listen, I've been preaching for 35 years. There's times I've expressed my humanity to churches and then people send emails about, about my humanity. Right? I mean, I've been married for 34 years. I have five kids. I have a family of brothers and sisters. I can tell you finding other human beings to understand humanity can be a real challenge. And then when you think you have somebody that understands your humanity and you're dumb enough to marry them, you find out they don't understand your humanity as well as you think. I'm just kidding about being dumb enough to marry, right? Please don't write an email about that. I was joking, right? See, my humanity is sort of sarcastic, if you haven't noticed, right? But, but there are lots of people that think they have found a lifelong partner who will understand their humanity. And as life progresses and people change, all of a sudden we aren't as good at accepting other people's humanity. Why the divorce rate is so stinking high. Because it is a complicated thing. Humanity is a difficult thing. And let's be clear about this, right? I can only teach what I know to be true. And what I know to be true is the reason why humanity is so complicated is because sin entered the world. The reason why it became so complicated was human beings became knowledgeable of, of good and evil, a gift that we were never supposed to possess. And the gift of the knowledge of good and evil in the hands of human beings has turned out to be a really bad idea. Yes or no? It's a bad idea. We're not very good with the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Because everybody in here who's known the right thing to do at times hasn't done it. And everybody watching online and in here has known the wrong thing to do and at times has still done it. Can I get a yes? Right? We're just not very good with it. And because of that, humanity's broke. Maybe you were raised in a home by parents who were broken. And they broke you. Maybe you've been in a marriage between two broken people. And it broke you. 
Maybe you've been in churches with broken people and that's broken you. Broken people interacting with broken people at times makes humanity an incredibly complicated place. And here's what even makes it more complicated. Listen to what this, what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 9. He says this, <clears throat> what does the worker gain from their labor? Is the question. He goes, I have seen the burden that God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also, <clears throat> listen to this, everybody online, everybody here, read this with me. He has also set in the of men. You want to know. For, so first of all, we're broken. And our brokenness makes humanity complicated at this level. Would you agree with that? Yes or no? Of course you would, right? You know that human beings make being human complicated, right? What makes it even more complicated is broken people also have this burden. Bring that verse back up there, verse 10. He's made everything beautiful, but he's also done this. God, back one. He has also set eternity in the heart of mankind, which means every person watching online, every person in here, God has placed in your heart eternity. Now imagine how big a need eternity has inside of you to be filled. Can you feel how powerful the draw is to have that fulfilled in you? Yes or no? So you're broken. I'm broken. And inside of every person created in the image of God is the need for eternity to fill my what? To fill my heart. So what do we say? What's something that we all say about stuff like that? We say things like this. Man, I feel fill in the blank. Right? I feel sad. I feel hurt. I feel alone. I feel lonely. I feel angry. I feel loved. I feel like they don't like me. I feel like they don't trust me, right? It's amazing how our feelings dictate most of what we do in reality because of this. If eternity has been placed in your heart, it is in your heart that things have to go to fill that need. And so most of us live world, live in a world where we dictate much of what we do by how I what? How I feel. Right? How I feel. And let's be honest, your feelings and my feelings are some of the most fickle things that this world knows. Yes or no? Right? And yet, because eternity, eternity has been placed in our hearts, it's our heart, right, that has to be filled. And Proverbs says, guard your heart, right? Because out of your heart comes all the decisions of life. That's because we talked about your limbic brain, the part of your brain that controls emotions and will and decisions. So here's what you have. In humanity, you have this constant battle you face and I face. And it is the battle between our heart and our mind. Because you can feel something that you know is 100% not true. But yet, because you feel it, you tend to want to believe it. Because feelings are where our decisions get made. And our mind, 
right? The part of our brain that processes facts and information, it has the, it has the language to speak, but not the ability to make a decision. So this constant part of you and this constant part of me and our humanity has a brain that wants to act on how it feels and a brain that says, whoa, 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 whoa. Those aren't facts. And so all the time we're fighting this. So we're going to talk about loneliness tonight. And loneliness is the epitome of the battle between heart and mind. Because what we're going to find out tonight that loneliness is how we feel. But it isn't fact if you trust in the Lord. Because the reality is scripture speaks over and over and over and over to the part of your brain that hears facts. But some of you watching online and some of you in here just feel so lonely. And so we're going to talk about that conflict in each of you over the next several weeks. How do you battle the conflict of a broken humanity with eternity placed in its heart? So emotionally, I need to be satisfied eternally and let We live in this world where we exist within dynamics of human relationships with other broken people and how we feel makes so many decisions in spite of what our brain knows to be facts. If we're believers, that process has to be different because if it's not, we have no more hope than those that don't know Jesus. So let's talk about a couple things, right? Let's talk about loneliness. Let me read to you some things that I printed about loneliness. Here's the definition. There's tons of them, right? Here's a simple definition. Loneliness. Sadness because one has no friends or company, right? Here's a better one. Loneliness is the quality of being unfrequented and remote and isolated from other people. Another guy writes... In, in a book called, or in an article called Very Well Mind, says while common definitions of loneliness describe it as a state of solitude or being alone, loneliness is actually a state of our mind. Loneliness causes people to feel empty, alone, and unwanted. People who are lonely often crave human contact, but their state of mind makes it more difficult for them to form connections. I read tons of surveys about loneliness. You want to feel sad? Read those things. Right? And listen, this information has changed since COVID. But listen to what these surveys... This is Harvard Research. Right? The Harvard Research says this. Recent national survey of American adults says 36 of respondents reported serious loneliness. So let's take a look at the graphic here. So this is basically the picture. Right? Three people... So just take a look around you and mark out three people. You're one of them. Look to your right and look to your left. And that makes one, two, three people, right? Survey says that for every three people, right? One of them feels lonely. One of them feels this way. Even in a room this size, for every three people, actually more, according to recent survey, more than one third of people feel alone. And my guess is if we were to take a poll in here and add the people online, these numbers would probably bear out to be true. That about a third of the people, one out of every three people would express that they feel lonely. Listen to this. The survey went on to say this. The feeling they feel lonely frequently or almost all of the time. In the four weeks prior to the survey, 
This included, check this out. Of those 36 people, right, that feel lonely, 61%, everybody say 61%. 61% of young people between the ages of 18 and 25 and 51% of mothers with young children reported to feel the most lonely. You see, loneliness isn't just for senior citizens. 61% of people surveyed between the ages of 18 to 25 said they feel lonely frequently or all of the time. Young mothers said it 51% of the time, right? 43% of young adults, 30, 43% of young adults reported increases in loneliness since the outbreak of the pandemic. About half of lonely young adults in the survey reported that no one, no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a passing couple minutes to ask how they're doing in a way that made them feel like that person genuinely cared. Young adults suffer higher rates of both loneliness and anxiety and depression. According to a recent CDC survey, 63% of the people of this age group are suffering significant symptoms of anxiety or depression because of loneliness. It's crazy. It's just staggering, right? One researcher said this, notwithstanding the impact on the quality of an individual's life and the satisfaction of life, loneliness has an equivalent risk factor to your health and to mine. This doctor said that being lonely over an extended period of time has the same effect to your health that smoking 15 cigarettes a day will have by shortening your lifespan over eight years. That's how significant loneliness can be. A Harvard study of adult development studied men for 75 years. It was a 75-year study of men regarding loneliness. And here was their single-line conclusion that loneliness is toxic in men. It's toxic in men. And the numbers just go on and on and on. Because when you read surveys of the cost involved in loneliness for health care, when you look at the rates of suicide and addiction in relationship to loneliness as people try to feel that eternity in an individual's heart when they're lonely, all of those numbers skyrocket. And they've all skyrocketed since the pandemic. Because even though we're more connected in our digital world, people have never felt more isolated in their entire lives. Isn't that a shame? And my guess is that if we were to survey our church, we would find out whether people are single or they're married. Whether they're widowed or widowers. Whether they're suffering, right? Whether they're uh, a devoted kingdom worker. My guess is 36% would be a pretty good number of people that actually feel lonely, right? This, this writer wrote it this way. It's not surprising that loneliness hurts. A brain imaging study showed that feeling ostracized alone actually activates your neuro pain metrics. In fact, several studies of brain imaging showed that ostracizing and being alone hurt, toward other people hurts us as much as being the one ostracized or alone ourselves. We can hypothesize that similarly, loneliness is associated with the pain matrix in our brain. From one perspective, we are all fundamentally alone. We come into the world alone, we leave it alone, and we're all independent entities and thoughts and feelings and emotions that no one else can fully understand or experience, no matter how numerous our friends are. 
I said, I don't know where you're at, but I know this, that loneliness is a real thing. I was a nursing home administrator for 10 years. Watched people live in the nursing homes that I served as an administrator and a chaplain for 10 years. And I watched people exist day after day after day after day into the months and the years and not one person ever came to visit them. They were just not only alone, but their loneliness was overwhelming. One of my biggest responsibilities as a chaplain and as a nursing home administrator who loved Jesus was to make sure to visit those people. Because the nurses had a job to do. The CNAs had a job to do. The dietary people had a job to do. Housekeeping had a job to do. My job was to visit the lonely people. And it was rampant of how many people had no one to visit them. When the pandemic hit here, we started calling people. This church was huge. This church is huge. This church is almost twice the size of my hometown where I went to high school. It's full of several thousand people across a fairly significant square footage, a footprint. And here's what we found as we began as pastors to call people within this church. That many people who went to this church had not heard from a soul in this church for months on end. Sure, they came, but nobody had checked on them. And we began to make sure that we made those calls on a regular basis. Because what we found was, in spite of how busy we are, and in spite of how kingdom focused we are, people were being left behind. Why? Because they were just lonely. They were just lonely. And the reality is, that is something that my guess is all of us. And here's the thing, the distinction I want you and I to make today intellectually and logically. It may take you a minute to emotionally connect to it. But intellectually and mentally, you and I all know this. Everybody online knows this and everybody in here knows this. It is impossible to live life here and not visit lonely places. Would you agree with that? You're not going to live your life and not visit lonely places. Because everybody in here and everybody online is going to lose a loved one. Yes? That's a lonely place. Right? We're going to experience losses. We're going to experience changes. We're going to experience empty nest. We're going to experience all kinds of things that you and I cannot avoid those lonely places. What we can do is learn how to navigate loneliness. Because in spite of lonely places, we don't have to feel alone. Let's talk about Jesus in lonely places real quick. Listen to what Luke 5 says. This is interesting. Luke 5 says this. The news about Jesus began to spread all the more because when Jesus first came, right? Don't tell anybody, right? But the news began to spread. You start healing people and casting out demons, news is going to spread. The news began to spread. And guess what happened? Crowds of people came to hear Jesus. Tons of them, right? And to be healed of their sicknesses. They were flocking to Jesus, right? In a society that was primarily Jewish where so many people were outside, were outside of God's purview. Right? We're outside of being close to him. They all crowded around Jesus. And here's what it says. Jesus often. Everybody say often. Jesus often withdrew to the what? To the lonely places and prayed. You see, it's possible to live in lonely places and not be lonely. It's possible to go through places. That word lonely in the Greek means deserted, desolate, without population. 
right? All of us know those spaces. For some of you, that space will be in your bedroom tonight. When you lay down your head in your bed by yourself, you will experience a lonely place. For some of you, you will do it in a bed occupied by another person. And for you, it will be a lonely place. For some of you, will be sitting in your car when church is over, realizing this will be the last time that you connect to another human being for the next several days because it'll be a lonely place. For some of you, it's work. For some of you, it's school. For some of you, it may even be in this church. For some of you online, it may be the very place that you're watching this service right now. But we all know lonely places. Yes? Jesus often visited lonely places. But just because he was in a lonely place didn't mean he had to be alone. Mark 1, 32 says the same thing, right? That evening after sunset, people brought Jesus, all the sick and all the demon possessed. And the whole town, the whole town, not part of it, but the whole town gathered at this door. Can you imagine being in this house? And all of these people are clamoring outside for you to do what you did yesterday. Heal them, make them better. Jesus healed many and had various diseases. He drove out many demons, right? But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. But then it says very early the next morning, and while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and went off to a, in the Greek, a lonely place where he prayed. Lonely places are possible for you to, to visit and they're unavoidable for us to experience. Right, But I wouldn't talk about one particular person in scripture. So how many of you have watched the show The Chosen? And how many of you have seen it all the way through the first three seasons? All right. How many of you liked it? Several of you. Right? I'm a Bible guy. So sometimes it drives me crazy. You can understand that, right? But from a, listen, from a humanity perspective... As a human sitting in my home and watching this on TV, the human in me has enjoyed several aspects of the show because there are some poignant moments. And for me so far, the most poignant moment happened in season three in episode five. And in season three, episode five, we find the story of the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, when scripture talks about the issue of blood in Luke 8 from this woman, right? It's very, very simple. Here's the narrative, right? Luke 8 verse 40 says this. When Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting them. There was a man named Jairus. Right? A ruler of the synagogue, a Jew, but he was also a part of the religious elite. He came and fell at the feet of Jesus. He said, pleading with him to come to his house. Why? Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So Jesus was on his way and the crowds almost crushed him. As he was trying to walk through the city to get to this guy's house, the crowds pressed on him so hard he was almost crushed. Check this out. Here's the simple narrative. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Leave that right there. Bring that back up. That's it. That's all you get in scripture. You don't get her narrative. But when you watch the show, The Chosen, what you realize as a human being is how absolutely ostracized and alone that woman had to be in a Jewish society that believed in ritual cleansing.
That woman lived her life almost constantly unclean. And if you were unclean in that society, you could not be around other people. You had to be away from them. And not only was she unclean, she was a woman who was single and unclean. She was totally ostracized. When you read this scripture, all you hear of this woman is she had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. That's the narrative of scripture. But your mind's eye and my mind's eye can't capture what that means. We think to ourselves, that must be horrible, right? Women can relate to it more than men do, but most women can't even comprehend having a bleeding issue for 12 years. But when you listen or watch the story play out and you see what a woman in that society might have had to experience, here's what you realize about this woman. She was desperately lonely. She had no one. She had no one. She wasn't welcomed by anyone. This was her home. These were her people. And she could not be around him because anybody she came into contact with made, she made them unclean. No one wanted that because then they would have to go and they would have to stay away and they would have to go a cleansing themselves. So this woman all alone, all alone did the only thing she knew to do. Scripture says in the next verse, Because no one could heal her. She came up from behind Jesus and she touched the edge of his garment. The very bottom fringe of his cloak, his robe. And immediately her bleeding stopped. In the middle of a society that she was not allowed to touch anybody in her unclean state. She found the rabbi, Jesus, and she made him unclean. According to Jewish custom. Instead, here's what scripture says. Jesus asked this question. Who touched me? In a crowd that was pressing against him, he wants to know who touched me. When they had all denied it, Peter finally said to Jesus, Master, people are crowding and pressing against you. Right? Basically, how do you know that somebody touched you? They're all touching you. Jesus said, no, no, no. Someone touched me. I know it because power, my power has gone out from me. The woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at the feet of Jesus. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, I want you to online and everybody here read this with me. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now that word healed in the Greek is the Greek word sozo. It's the word that we translate salvation. It means to rescue It means to make whole. It means to make safe. In a world where this woman was crippled with loneliness because of her condition, she went to the only place she knew where she could be healed, rescued, made whole and saved. She went where? She went to Jesus. So let's start this way. If you're online and you're in here and you don't know Jesus, you're never ever Listen, I can only tell you what I know to be true. If you're here or watching online and you don't know Jesus, that hole in your heart that is full of need for eternity will never be satisfied till you have Jesus in your heart. Somebody say amen. And if you know Jesus, if you know Jesus in here tonight and you know Jesus watching online, let's be clear. Jesus hasn't just saved you. He's made you what? Come on, man. He's made you whole. 
He's made me whole. And listen, this is a hard thing for me because I am of all things. Listen, Joe preaches most of the time. I preach some of the time. And everybody says the same thing about Joe and me. Joe is a professor. He is smarter than I am. Right? We can all agree about that. But here's what other people say. Cord, we like your preaching because you are human. We can relate to you. You make things so. Oh, stop clapping, right? Because here's what I know. I am so human that I can forget that knowing Jesus has made me what? It's made me whole. And so because of my lack of faith sometimes, I expect other people to make me what? I make, expect them to make me whole. And when I expect other people to make me whole, I make them miserable. And so do you. You see, the reality is if you know Jesus tonight, it's not just a not yet thing. It's an already thing. This woman, I don't know how accurate what, I'm not, I don't know how accurate what the chosen depicted is, but when I went to reading what it must have been like for a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years living in a Jewish society, all I know is that they were much closer than my mind's eye would allow me to ever believe. That for 12 years she lived in complete isolation and loneliness. And in desperation she went not to the priest. She finally went to Jesus. And his comment to her was, your faith has made you whole. If you have faith in here tonight, if you have faith watching online, let's be clear. Your faith has already made you whole. Jesus has already filled your human need. Now, maybe you're not living in that completion just yet. Because I know I'm not. I know I'm still not living in it completely. And shame on me for having that shortcoming. But I do. But what I know is this. In spite of how I feel, I know biblically that Jesus didn't save me just to get it there. He made me whole as I live here. And he did the same for you. And listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you can interact with people from a place of wholeness, the relationship is a lot healthier than when you operate from a place of need. Because when you operate from a place of need with other people, your dependency, your trust of those people comes into question all the time. Because, man, if you depend on other people to fill those needs, and the minute you see them filling somebody else's needs, you know what you're going to feel? You're going to feel jealous. You're going to feel insecure. You're not going to trust. You're going to get angry. Because guess what? You're here to fill my need. I need you. But I see you doing that over here. And I'm worried that you're more interested in doing there than you are doing it here. Anybody relate to that? I know you do. Because you're human. But Jesus said, your faith, cord, made you whole. Your faith in Jesus has made you whole. Listen, lonely places can't be avoided. Can't be. I can't even count. I couldn't even begin to count the number of days and hours and weeks I have spent in lowly places in 59 years of my life. I can't imagine that you could either. But I know this that in every lonely place that you've ever been, if you know Jesus, you are completely whole. You may not feel it, 
You may not feel it in that limbic part of your brain, that part of your brain that has emotions and will and makes all the decisions. It's back there screaming, I'm not satisfied, I'm not satisfied. But intellectually, that part of your brain in the neocortex that processes facts knows this is true. Right? And you got to fight that battle between your mind and your heart. You got to fight it. Because Jesus said, as a man thinketh, so he is. This is where the fight's at. Right? That fight is for how we feel. That feeling cannot be king or queen in your life. Truth has to reign. What did Jesus say? You'll know the truth and the truth will set you what? You're free. I mean, I'm 59 years old and the most complicated I fight is the fight within myself to understand that I'm whole and that my need for other people isn't to meet needs that I don't have met because in Jesus, I have them all met. He is my best friend. Right? He is the person I trust the most. He is the person that should satisfy all my needs. His grace is sufficient for me. Right? He will give me everything that I need. And yet, what do I do? I turn to people at times and say, I don't say it because I'm too proud. But I will communicate to them, I need, I need you. Because I am human. But I also have Jesus. And so if we're going to fight loneliness, I'm just going to, all I can do is tell you what I know to be true. That Jesus said over and over and over again in scripture for people that he healed. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has rescued you. It's made you a safe place. It's made you complete. And it's the same for you. And if you don't know that today, if you don't know Jesus today, listen, everything else that you're doing to fill that need, relationship from relationship to relationship, from addiction to addiction to addiction, from job to job to job, from 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 trip to trip to trip. Listen, it isn't going to matter. Nothing's going to fill that hole of eternity except the eternal life that Jesus gives us through faith in him. Amen, church. Jesus visited lonely places. You're going to visit them too. But I can tell you this. If Jesus is in your lonely place, you don't have to be lonely. Because you've been made whole. Let's talk about this from Scripture's point of view. Scripture and lonely places. 73. 73 of the Psalms were written by David. 73. 73 Psalms and chapters and songs that David wrote. Many from lonely places. And listen to some of the verses that David shared in his lonely places. If you've ever read David's account, you know how lonely the man must have been. King Saul spent his pretty much the back end of his life trying to kill King David all the time. And Satan wanted David killed because the seed that God had promised in Genesis 3 was in that man's bloodstream. And all Satan wanted to do was to see that man killed. So David fought for his life physically, but he also fought for it spiritually because David is the bloodline of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Here's what David wrote. Listen to Psalm 25. Psalm 25 says this, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Anybody relate to the troubles of your heart being multiplied? Anybody? Man, I do. He says, look upon my affliction and look upon my distress and take away all my sins. Right? See how many enemies I have have increased and how fiercely they hate me. He says, guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame for I, everybody, for I take refuge in, in you. Right? May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in who? My hope is in you. 
Over and over, David speaks of the same thing when he is alone, when he feels lonely, when he feels overwhelmed in those lonely places. He turns his anguish and he goes to God and says, my hope is in you. Psalm 27 says this, hear my voice. When I call, O Lord, and be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, my heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper, God. Do not reject me or forsake me. Oh God, my Savior. Listen to this. He says, though my father and my mother forsake me. How many people do you think that can say that? He says, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will, what? Receive me. So teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Don't turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this, David says. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I will wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord over and over and over and over. It isn't just Jesus meeting us in the lonely places. God's word meets us in these lonely places over and over. You can find encouragement in scripture. Psalm 73, 23 says this. I'm always with you. You hold me, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth, listen to this, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Listen, when you and I find things on this earth that we desire besides God, life can get complicated. Listen, I know that God made us, and he made us in his image, and in that image we are to be in relationship with one another, but when my desire, when my desire, the thing my heart wants most is in this earth, he says, I've got nothing else here, but you, because my flesh and my heart are going to what? They're going to fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. How about this one in Lamentations? God gave me this one in a lonely place. In a church in North City, Illinois, sitting with my wife and 30 people that I had never met after not being in a church for seven years. And God gave me this scripture on that day when everybody else vanquished from the moment. And he said, because of the Lord's great love, Cord, you're not consumed. Because his compassions never fail. They are new every morning because great is your faithfulness. Cord, your faithfulness stinks, but mine is great. And my mercies are new every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Psalm 139. If you feel lonely, listen to these words. David said, where am I going to go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, guess what? Even there, your hand's going to guide me and your right hand's going to hold me fast. He goes on to say this. Is that it? Right? You could read Psalm 139 over and over and over and over again. And the psalmist says this in Psalm 1611. You've made it known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Listen, you can read scripture after scripture after scripture. 
There are lonely places you will visit. Some of you are experiencing them right now. Some of you have lost a relationship. Some of you are grieving the loss of the loved one. Some of you are grieving the change of life status. That you're now empty nesters or your kids that were wonderful and kind. And wonderful elementary students are now mean and disheartening teenagers who want nothing to do with you. Right? Some of you are in different seasons of life and you know what that's like. And here's the thing. In those moments, it's easy to be in lonely places. Lonely places can be filled with Jesus because our faith in him can make us whole. And scripture over and over and over. Listen, I can only tell you what I know, that God gives us his word. And scripture says this of God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will abide forever. These words aren't meaningless. They're not just trite. They're not just church sayings. They're not just for a t-shirt or a coffee mug. They're things that you and I should live by. And over and over again, David fights his loneliness by saying, in you, God, in you, God, I'm going to find everything that I need in you, God. You're going to provide all that I need. Nothing on this earth that I desire will do for me what you can do for me. And so listen, part of part of what you have to do. If you're a believer and you're lonely is you have to seek the Lord. Listen, I talked about this a few weeks ago on the weekend. You and I are going to live in deficit. We're going to live in seasons where life takes more than it gives. Can anybody in here online relate to that? Yes or no? We live in seasons of life where there is deficit. Now listen, some of you have lived in a season that has no deficit for so long. You have become insensitive to the fact that it's true for other people. And you somehow think that you've stumbled upon a formula that makes you avoid deficit. It's not true. Every person experiences deficit. And every person will experience deficit, right? I'm about to lose my friendship with Shelby, but I'm going to be okay, right? But listen, we all live in deficit. And here's the thing about deficit, right? You and I are lonely. Those are, listen, when you're in deficit, those are lonely places. If you've ever run for a long length of time, you can be incredibly, you can be an incredible visitor to lonely places. But you can survive deficit in a lonely place if you just have enough faith. And the reality is for so many people who choose, listen, at the end of the day, choosing loneliness is what we do because loneliness is a feeling And acquiescing to that is a choice, right? But choosing God's word to fill that gap, choosing his word to fill us with truth that can set us free from the bondage of loneliness. Listen, we can't make light of that. I have to learn how to do that better. Because I am so human sometimes that my emotions and my loneliness can get the best of me. And I want to feel it. Listen. Humanity, my my friend said to me today, humanity is temporal, but man, it feels like forever at times, doesn't it? It just does. And living as people here, even though we know it's temporal, man, when you're in the middle of it, it feels like it's never, ever going to end. But some of you have lived through loneliness and you've seen God deliver you from the other side. So let's close it with this comfort and lonely places. I want to read this to you. This is from a book called The Devil's Advocate by Morris West. He says this. We need to understand that loneliness is not new. It comes to all of us sooner or later. Friends die. Family dies too. 
We get old. We get sick. In a society where people live in personal in impersonal cities or suburbs, where electronic entertainment, entertainment often replaces one-to-one conversation, where people move from job to job and state to state and marriage to marriedness, loneliness has become an epidemic. Craig Rochelle talked about this when his dad died. Craig Rochelle is a pastor of one of the largest churches in North America. Almost 40 campuses across 20-some states. And Craig Rochelle's dad died. And he said the number of emails that he got was staggering. The number of texts he got was even was smaller, but still staggering. He said the number of phone calls I got, phone calls, was three. And he said the number of people that came to my house to check on me one-on-one was one person. Craig Rochelle is the pastor of a church of 110,000 different people. And one person came to his door to say, how are you doing? And Craig said, Craig said, to my shame, I have become so comfortable in a world that communicates from a disconnected perspective. When the man showed up at my door, who was my friend after my dad had died, he said, my first response to my friend was, what do you need? He said, I had grown so accustomed to never being checked on in a world where I was connected to over 110,000 people weekly. My first response wasn't that he was there to check on me. Here's the thing I want to remind all of us about. If you're in here or you're online and you've been through loneliness, here's what scripture says. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who what? Mourn. If you've been lonely, listen, if you've been lonely, Not in a lonely place, but if you have been lonely and experienced loneliness, let me see your hands. Those of you online, just type yes, right? Those of you in the chat, just type yes. Listen, and how many of you who raised your hand or typed yes in the chat, how many of you who've been lonely have seen God work in that lonely place and in your loneliness and feel your need? How many of you have experienced that? The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be what? Comforted. Let me assure you, if you're lonely, you're not in that place alone. God is there keeping his promise. Now, you may not feel it, but feeling it and knowing it are not the same thing. And if Satan wants to win the fight in your heart to give up because you're lonely, he will convince your mind to believe that your feelings are true. Because all Satan has to do is change the way you think and he'll control what you do. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinks, so he what? Does. That's why what we believe is so important. When Jesus said, you'll know the truth and it'll set you free, the opposite is true too. If you believe the lie, you will be in bondage. And Satan's desire is for you to believe a lie. And one of the greatest lies he's telling our young people today, what he's telling individuals today, no matter what their age or demographic is, is this, that you're lonely. And what happens in the limbic brain is the emotions stir. And we're overwhelmed with loneliness. But the part of our brain that processes facts and reads this book knows that's not true. Because blessed are those who mourn. Because I don't know about you, but when I feel lonely, I cry. I cry, I mourn, I wail, I do it in my car where nobody's around, but I do it. And I know you do too. And the Bible says, here's what you can know about truth. That when you mourn, you are what? Comforted. You're not alone. You may feel it, but it's not true. 
The Bible says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So when you feel alone, are you alone? No. But if you won't let your knowledge, the truth, override your emotion, you're always, listen, you're always going to live in deficit. Cord, you're always going to live in deficit. If your truth or if the truth of God's word can't override your emotion, you're always going to live in deficit because people are going to let you down. And they're never going to be enough because they were never designed to fill eternity's hole. Only Jesus was. But those of you that have been lonely and have seen God get you through these dark places, listen to what he says. To me, this is the biggest cure for loneliness. 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The father of compassion and the God of how much comfort? All comfort. He comforts us in how many of our troubles? All of our troubles. Again, truth sets you free. Put it in your brain. Put it in your mind so it can get into your heart. So when your emotions flare up, you can conquer your emotions with the truth of God's word. But look what he says. Why does God comfort us in all our trouble? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So those of you who have been lonely and God has delivered from loneliness, comfort others who are lonely with the same comfort that God gave you. You want to solve the epidemic of loneliness? Give to others the same comfort God gave to you when you were lonely. The reason why people stay lonely is that those who've been delivered from loneliness don't often seek other people out who are lonely. You see, the greatest thing about ministry is God simply uses you to do what he already did for you so that you can go do it for him. Do you see how God multiplies his workforce? You're lonely. You visited a lonely place and all of a sudden you're lonely and God goes, guess what? I'm going to comfort you in your loneliness and God comforts you in your loneliness and you're strengthened to get through those lonely places. And then what God says is, listen, I've got other people to go comfort. I need you to go comfort others with the same comfort I just gave you. Do you know who should be in ministry then? Every person who's ever been through any trouble that God has comforted. Somebody say amen. And in a church of 3,500 or 4,000 people, do you know how many people should be in ministry around here? All of them. Because not one of you sitting in here, no matter your age, no matter your status of life, if God has comforted you in any way, and you're sitting doing nothing with that comfort, shame on you. Because others are suffering because God can't use you to comfort them with the comfort he gave you. Because at the end of the day, that's all ministry is. If you've been hungry... And God's comforted you. You know what you should do? You should comfort hungry people. I've lost a son. I'm amazed how many times God asked me to comfort people who've lost a son. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's days I'm like, seriously, God? That's got to happen today? I've been through a divorce. It's amazing how many people God puts in my life that I get to comfort because of that. Joe has cancer. People come to Joe's office all the time. Who've been diagnosed with camper. And guess what God gets to do? He gets to comfort others with the comfort God gave Joe. I don't know what you've been through. But I guarantee you this. If you're in here or you're online and you've been through loneliness and God's comforted you. God has put lonely people in your path. If we ever want to erase the, the pandemic or epidemic or the toxic nature of that. That's what it's going to take. And part of the reason why men are so lonely and it's so toxic in men is because we are so stinking prideful about doing for others what God has done for us. And we've got to get past that. 
right? We've got to get past that. The reason why it's so such toxic numbers in teenagers is because they're the same way. They're so private. They don't want to share. Listen, you've got something. Somebody in this room or somebody in those halls or somebody in this community needs because you've been comforted in loneliness. Man, if God's done that for you, then do that for other people. And you say, well, Pastor Court, where do I do it? I don't know. Go park cars in, in the parking lot. God will bring somebody there that's lonely. Go work in the cafe. He'll bring somebody in there that's lonely. Go work in student ministry. I guarantee you he'll bring somebody in there that's lonely. Right? I don't care and neither does he. But if you've been comforted, it's that comfort God wants to use from you to give to other people. Listen, if you don't know Jesus here tonight, it all starts there. Because in Jesus, you can be made what? You can be made whole. This word is a light into my feet, a lamp into my path and a light into my feet. Right? It's this word I have to hide in my heart. Right? It's not to be ignored. There is more comfort in here than we could ever imagine. And at the end of the day, God said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for anybody to be alone. So let God use you to comfort others with the same comfort he himself has given you. Let's pray. Father Day, thank you so much for... Thank you for the people that you've placed in my life, in my humanity, that have brought me your comfort because you've given it to them. You know who those people are and I'm... I'm more grateful for them each and every day. I do pray right now for anybody that's watching, listening, or in here, Lord, that is experiencing loneliness. It is a horrible feeling. It is a feeling that is so overwhelming at times it feels like entire, the entire thing can be sucked into just a dark void. It makes the knot in my stomach grow. It can just make a person completely miserable. My prayer, Father, is for the release of those people from that state. And so, Father, whether it's through the coming into contact with Jesus, whether it's leaning into your word, or, Father, it's the comfort that somebody else could bring, Lord, would you please deliver those who are overwhelmed by the loneliness they feel inside of themselves. At the end of the day, Lord, I am grateful that you don't lie to us and that you tell us no matter where we go, you're going to be there. Because you're never going to leave us. And you're never going to forsake us. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you church.